0: I want to start by giving you some biblical truths to consider. If you've spent any time at all in the church, you've heard these. Things that have most likely become commonplace. But as you hear them now, I strongly encourage you to break through the routine and lackluster approach that has encased these truths. You were created. You were handmade for specific purposes. Your creator chose to step out of his realm of perfection into our messy world in order to die a sacrificial death so that you could be redeemed from your self-induced brokenness. The maker of everything, the one that causes the sun to rise and puts breath into your lungs, he has the ability and desire to step into your heart, to engage with the deepest parts of who you are, your mind, your emotions, your willpower, so that you can live the life that you deeply want to live. Now, the first two, the fact that there is a God that created everything and that there is a Savior that can redeem the world, those are well-known and received within the church. But the third one, that this same God directly interacts with the deepest parts of who you are in your day-to-day life, this one doesn't seem to be as fully embraced as the other two. But according to the Bible and countless testimonies, the Holy Spirit is as much a part of your reality as God and Jesus. In the same way that he made you and hopefully saved you, the creator of the universe, whose powers are limitless, directly interacts with the deepest parts of who you are so you can live the life that you want. And if you could remember that more than once a month, your life would be totally different. Now last week, Ben started us on the Advent series. This idea of like looking ahead is how you define Advent. And he looked at the reality and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four different things that the Spirit wants to bring into your life. Peace, joy, love and hope four things that i believe are foundational for a good life tonight we're going to look at peace now i love words and i've found that the best way to understand a word is to start with a definition so there's three different definitions that i put up here for peace a state of tranquility or quiet freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions harmony in personal relationships Now, from my time of study, I've found that according to the Bible, the Spirit can bring us all three of these types of peace. But tonight, we're going to focus in on number three, the way that the Spirit of God leads us into peace with people in our worlds. Man, we each have so many relationships. From casual to intimate, 90% of your daily life is made up of relationships. Think about it. Your family your friends, your coworkers, people at the gym, fellow students, your neighbors, workers at Qdoba and at the grocery store, people driving next to you, and the list goes on and on. A strong majority of your day is interacting with people. And I believe that God made us to be social, that he hardwired us to want to operate with other people. Because of this, we are able to do far more than we could ever do alone. Think about some of those inspirational Maybe corny metaphors. It takes two flints to light a fire. For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. The geese honk from behind to encourage those up front to keep their speed. You guys feeling those tingling bubbles of inspiration? (laughs) I didn't see any heads nodding and just disdain. Regardless, Right? of what those made you feel. People and relationships that we have with them are what allow us to accomplish far more than we could alone. Relationships are what provide us with encouragement and support when things get tough. In many ways, the people in our lives are what allow us to experience God's goodness. Take a moment to consider how much the people that you love bring to your life, your spouse, your wife, husband, your kids, your parents, your best friends, fellow believers, because of them, your life is so much better than it otherwise would be. But relationships also have the power to ruin lives, don't they? If you look at the antonyms or opposites of peace, you have strife, enmity, hatred, hostility. In the same way that people can make our lives so much better, they can also make them so much worse. Think about how you feel when somebody cuts you off in traffic or glares at you for no unknown reason in a store. When a fellow employee talks poorly behind your back or your boss publicly ridicules you. Or even worse, when your spouse disrespects you or your kids blatantly disobey you. The deeper the relationship, the deeper the pain that they can cause. Let me give you another metaphor. When you throw a rock into a still pond, the rock creates far more than a single splash. The ripple effects can disrupt the entire pond. The same is true of a single act of hostility or anger. It can bring negative thoughts and emotions, which leads to negative behaviors right, that ripple throughout a lot of different people's lives. Let me give you another example. Have you ever been flipped off on your way home from work? During the rest of your drive, the anger builds as you picture that person's face and what you wish you could say to them. When you get home, your tense emotional state causes you to negatively react towards your kid or your spouse, who then reacts negatively from there. An act of random aggression can cause far more damage than we can ever know. But regardless of what the other person may bring to the table, so much of what follows is up to how we respond to their aggression. I believe that is why the Bible so strongly emphasizes how followers of Jesus should treat other people. So let's look at a couple examples. Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Hebrews 12. Pursue peace with everyone. If you know that Jesus is the son of God, if you have openly stated that you believe that without Jesus you are lost and broken, and with him you are made whole, then you are called to bring peace to your world, to pursue and maintain harmony within your relationships. But this is far easier said than done, right? When people do things to offend you, Whether they are strangers or friends, the most logical response is anger. To react and then write them off as not worth your time. We easily justify this approach because it's what feels right to us in the moment, and it seems like the logical cause and effect. You chose to be rude, therefore you chose to make me angry. All right, it's time for an example. It's the problem with being a pastor. You study stuff like this, inevitably you got to share something that you've been struggling with. So I'm a part of a non-competitive soccer league that meets on Sunday nights down at the YMCA. And the purpose of non-competitive, as I've been told over the weeks, is so that way it's more fun. You're not very aggressive. You allow girls to go to the ball first if you happen to be going at the same time. Anyway, of how it's set up, I was... Going towards the ball in the Y uh, gym, the bleachers were folded up and another individual from the other team came at the ball at the exact same time that I did and he happened to lower his shoulder a little bit before he collided with me and sent me into the bleachers. My face almost smashed up against the steel grate that's at the end of the bleacher. I saw red. I said things in the YMCA gym that I wish I would have never said. My eyes caught a water bottle sitting on the the bench, which my hand grabbed and then exploded against the wall. It was my natural reaction because of what he did to me. But do you remember those verses? Blessed are the peacemakers. Pursue peace with everyone. Jesus makes it even more black and white. Let's look at Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, right, going before God, worshiping him, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and sister and then come and offer your gift. I love how obvious this verse is, how important it is to seek peace above going to church or giving your offering or doing anything that you see as holy. He says, first, go and be reconciled. How do we genuinely do this when our natural response is to give them what they deserve? As I meditated on this, I believe that the only thing, the only way that we can do this is if we tap into the power of the Spirit. From the one, God himself, who directly interacts with our thoughts and our emotions. Let's look at the Bible so I can show you where I'm getting this. In Galatians 5, Paul says, live by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. He then lists off what naturally comes from the flesh. Within that list, there's enmity, strife, anger, quarrels, dissension, dropping the F-bomb at the Y. Everything that we've been talking about that naturally flows from us. But he then lists off the fruits of the Spirit, the qualities that make up God himself. Love, joy, peace. And then six more that give you the ability to have these. Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now remember that third foundational principle that I spoke about at the beginning? If you've been forgiven by Jesus' sacrifice, then you have been filled with God himself. The spirit resides within your mind, your emotions, and your willpower. Therefore, his qualities, the characteristics that make God, God, are available to you. But it's your choice who you turn to. You and your innate desires or to your creator. Now, Paul kind of makes his choice obvious in Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. You guys recognize the free will in that statement? It's our choice. Now, I'm sure there's endless ways to be guided by the Spirit, but from my experience, they all boil down to two different categories. Stop and seek His guidance. And respond to His convictions. To stop and seek his guidance means that before you react, you take a deep breath or two or ten and ask the spirit how you should respond. Now, I've found that this can be a game changer when you're in a heated moment. A few seconds of asking God how he wants you to respond can bring life instead of death to a relationship. Now, I obviously did not do that during my soccer game. This is when the second way of following this spirit comes into play, obeying his convictions. So my explosion happened early on in the game. During halftime, I felt convicted, called to go and apologize to the player. So I did, shook his hand. When I got home, I just had this thought rolling through my head for a solid hour. I should let the rest of my team know that I'm sorry that I acted the way I did. Didn't quite make sense, right, because they were in the heated moment with me. But, you know, I decided, whatever, I'll send them a text. So I did. The next morning, I woke up feeling like guilt and shame about being a pastor that said what he said and did what he did during the game. And it was really weird because i uh, trying to write it all off saying, you know, I'm saved by grace. That's not who I, ident- who, it's, it's not my actions that cause me to be deemed unworthy, all these different things. But that feeling of shame and guilt just stuck with me. I ended up getting a phone call that evening from a liaison, somebody who is between the league and the players, saying that the other team filed a formal complaint against me. Right? And during this whole conversation, I'm just wanting to lay down my justification for what this individual did to me. When I got off the phone, I'm just like, you know what, I should just be done with this. I should just walk away. It's just a game. Who cares? But then that thought came in that I needed to apologize to the other team formally. Just like, whoa, 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 this is ridiculous. I'm never going to see them again. He's the one that caused it. But it stuck with me along with the guilt and the shame. So I got the team captain's email and openly apologized. We had a nice gentle interchange. And what's amazing, when I was done with that communication, the guilt and the shame were utterly gone. Peace filled me. Based on me obeying the spirit. When you are in these tense situations, those thoughts that keep rolling through your mind are not always random. The feeling that you have inside your gut is not always indigestion. Remember, the spirit of the living God directly interacts with your thoughts and your emotions. From my experience, this is so often how he guides us into life. But when you feel this conviction, it is your choice who you turn to yourself, or the almighty maker of everything. Now, who you choose to follow doesn't only affect you. It affects everyone else involved, both directly and indirectly. In the same way that strife creates ripple effects, so does peace. When you choose to obey the spirit and his guidance, not only will you feel a sense of internal peace, like the one I was describing, but the one whom you humbled yourself before may feel the same peace, which may cause him to extend peace to somebody else in his life. Your simple act of obedience can bring far more change than you will ever know. I read this quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. That means your choice to obey the Spirit can show somebody more about God than A hundred pastors doing what I'm doing now. Now, as I start to end my rant, I want to give you a tip on how to help move this idea of relying on the Spirit to bring peace into your life from hypothetical to reality. Now, I've found that when you remember how good God has been to you, it is a natural catalyst to genuinely love others. Let's start with the big picture and then slowly move in. Like I said before, you were made. You are not a byproduct of evolution. You have been created. You live in a world that continues to provide life regardless of anything that you do. You did nothing to cause the sun to rise or that life-giving oxygen to fill your lungs this morning. You have been given an incredibly powerful and complex brain through which you have been able to do so much. And all of this is a gift which you have done nothing to deserve but that every human being has been given. Let's zoom in a little bit more. In a week and a half, it'll be Christmas, the holiday in which we celebrate Jesus being born. Let's take a moment to dust off the nativity scene. Jesus is a part of the Trinity. He is God. Now, according to Colossians 1, 16 and 17, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you see how foundational Jesus is to your existence right now? Every foundational piece of life is from him. But a being this powerful humbled himself, became a baby that grew into a man who would willingly lay down his life so that you, the one that he created and sustained, could be redeemed from your own foolish and selfish choices. Jesus stepped into your arrogant and self-focused world so that you could have the ability to have peace with his Father, our God, the creator of everything through Jesus' death, an imperfect humanity has the ability to have harmony with their maker. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker for this world. And this peace, it affects cultures as well as individuals. You know, I was talking to a good friend, some of you know him, the other day, who flew home to Romania earlier this week. He spent the last four years working in Keystone, and I've got to watch his life utterly change because of the God of the Bible. In talking about Romania, about the country he was returning to, he said that it's a country that has never fully embraced Christianity as a belief system that should be embraced in the day-to-day life. It's East Eastern Orthodox, similar to like strict Roman Catholicism, where there's priests that you pay to have them bury somebody or marry you. Other than that, you go to church once, twice a year at most, and you cross it off the list believing that you're going to go to heaven. He said, in Romania, things that are common here are seen as very strange there. People being friendly to strangers or giving a hug to someone you've just recently met very rarely ever happens. He said, doing acts of kindness is not normal. It's hard for people to accept help. As a nation, we are really shy, most likely because of communism. But here in America, it's different. Now I know we don't live in a a perfect country and it seems to be getting worse, but it's not uncommon for people to help those they don't know. Think about the equality and freedom of choice that are a major part of our culture. This is because our culture was founded on the principles of the Bible. If you don't believe me, come and talk to me. I'll give you a title of a book that will lay out Dozens and dozens of things that we take for granted and it'll trace them back directly to the truths of the Bible and show you how over history these became our norm. Jesus has brought peace to our daily lives in ways that we can hardly ever notice. He's also brought peace to the individual. Now, those of you who have cried out to the God of the Bible for salvation from your own foolishness, you've experienced God's goodness in unique and customized ways. We got a chance to hear it from that beautiful woman during worship. When someone is in harmony with the God of the Bible, they are given his spirit. Like I mentioned before, this part of God gives us guidance on how to live better lives. When you are in the hardest time of your life, Kind of like Gabby is now, he also gives peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, don't be, anxious, don't be worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, I wish I could just pass the microphone around right now. So many of you have stories of the way that the God of the Bible has stepped into your world and brought you peace that did not make sense. All of this goodness, everything that I just described, and endless more, is fully undeserved and unearned. Even though at our very core we are selfish and interested in doing what is best for us, God is continually being selfless, bringing his wholeness into our broken lives. When you take the time to reflect on why you have so many good things in your life, I promise you it'll be a catalyst for you to pursue peace with those around you. If you take the time to remember when God has been so kind patient, loving, and merciful to you, this will encourage you to turn to him and his plans for you when people are rude and impatient and selfish towards you. During this time of waiting, when all of humanity is, is in between Jesus' life on earth and his glorious return, we are called to be his light in the midst of a dark world. Pursuing peace can be a powerful witness to the reality of God and the goodness that he brings. As we finish with the last song, I want to encourage you to think about the good things that God has brought into your life. We are so busy that we very rarely stop and reflect on the good things that we have in our lives. So as the musicians lead us into this beautiful song, Take some time and think about why you have so many good things in your life. I also challenge you to ask the Spirit who you should seek peace with. Ask Him to put a name or face into your mind of a person that you should reach out to in order to be a peacemaker. Now, it might be reactionary, kind of like my story. After I've done some, I did something wrong, I needed to reach out. Or it might be proactive. There might be somebody in your everyday world that is continually getting you riled up based on their behavior. Ask the Spirit who you can reach out to so that way they can better understand the God of the Bible.